Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This morning, we're just gonna go to the book of Luke. Uh, you could turn to the book of Luke chapter four. Um, I am, you know, mostly a teacher. People sometimes people say I teach, preach, but I mostly teach, amen. So. Uh, we're going to get right into the word. Amen. And we'll see what the Lord has to speak to us today. Amen. So we're going to go to verse 16, Luke chapter four, verse 16. Amen. We're going to read down to verse 21. Amen. So and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and in the eyes of all of them that were with, that were in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say unto them this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears amen 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 uh, what we're going to be talking about today is empowered to love empowered to love empowered to love. Amen. So, uh, you know, sometimes even as we've been talking about, you know, falling in love is one of those particular terms that, um, you know, we say, you know, that people tend to say, well, that's that's a good thing or people get happy about you falling in love. But if we really look at it, sometimes we have failed in, in that attempt or those attempts to be able to love people, right? Uh, to love properly. We have failed to love, right? Uh, we have failed in love right? And not in the sense of falling in love romantically, but falling in the sense of I'm coming up short as far as my love is concerned, you know? And sometimes we come up short because, you know, there's certain, there's certain things that we're dealing with on the inside of us. There's things that we're dealing with on, you know, in us that keeps us from loving properly, right? Uh, and sometimes it's just that, you know, we have received a certain amount of love, and we should be empowered to be able to love others, but we're just not there yet or we're not willing to do the work. And we're going to do a little bit of both, you know, on both sides, because, you know, of course, we are, you know, many times on both sides. We have been those that have received love and sometimes we have failed to receive the love, you know, but also we have been those that are responsible to also give that love, you know, to give that love that we have received, that we have learned how to give, that we have learned how to receive from others. Amen. So when we come here to the book of Luke, uh, you know, we see Christ going back to his hometown. And in verse 16, you know, and this is coming straight out of the temptation. This is coming straight out of, you know, dealing with Satan, trying to cause him to fall. And this is one of the first things that he began to do as it, as it begins to talk about that this was his custom. This was his custom, right? He went into the synagogue and this is where he began to, you know, kind of, you know, deal with the religious issues of that city or that town or that area uh, and, and with the religious leaders, amen? And, you know, so he started, you know, and he went home. And, you know, one of the things when we start to go and really talk about love, we learn love first at home, you know, um, you know, they say charity begins at home, right? You know, we learn love, how to love, how to be loved, what love is, what love feels like, the different ways love can actually, you know, shape our lives, can begin to guide us, can begin to correct us, to, to you know, to draw us in the right way, to pull us in the right way, to chasten us to go into the right direction. We love, we learn that love at home, amen? And I can say from a child's perspective, when I was growing up, everything that was love did not feel like love, right? And sometimes we have to go back home to deal with those things that influence us as far as our views on love. Uh -huh. You know, so because so, sometimes, you know, we have come to this place of, 
you know, understanding some things about God. And now we've gotten old and now we're not at home. Nobody's, you know, you don't have a parent there that's that's loving you. But sometimes some of you, you may have, you know, children this morning, you may be in that position where you're, you know, you do have a parent there that's actually responsible to love you, that's responsible to teach you what love is, because we don't come into the world knowing what love is. We come into the world knowing what love feels like when we encounter it. We know what love can do to us, but we know that we need love, and but we don't always know how to express the need that we have or to begin to receive that love. Because sometimes as children, I know as me, I, I, I fought love. I fought being told the right things. I fought being guided in the right way because I didn't look at it as love. I looked at it as you're not giving me my own choices. You don't give me my own freedom. You're not giving me what I want. You know, and we hear this from, you know, we heard this from uh, Pastor Lincoln. And really, if we really look at this, I think most of us can really even say this, that we, we tended to go towards people who, who kind of give us what we want. And then that's when we feel like, well, these people really understand me and these people really love me or they really, you know, accept me, right? But the person who may be rejecting certain parts of your personality or rejecting or saying, no, this is not right, this is not good, or you need to correct this or this is not going to be profitable for you. We don't always look at that as love, but that is love. That is love. That is love. And, 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 and sometimes we have a problem with, you know, you know, dealing with those two parts of love, those two expressions, or, or even just the many different expressions of love. But if we put them in two different things or what we kind of look at, we look at the nice love and then we look at this hard love, what we call hard love. When really the person who's probably giving you the hard love, we don't think that person really loves us because it doesn't feel good. I didn't plan to go this way, <laughs> but it, it doesn't feel good to us. Amen. But the person who's giving you the hard love a lot of times, meaning they're dealing with a hard area, doesn't necessarily mean that they're dealing with you in a hard manner all the time. Right. But sometimes for some of us, we'd have to be dealt with in a little hard manner in a sense. Right. It's not so much that, you know, we got to be drug down, right? But, you know, sometimes some things have to be made clear to us where we can really truly understand that. And sometimes that takes a little bit of, you know, confrontation. It, it, it seems a little, a little much. It, seem, it can seem a little violent at times to the person receiving it. And even to sometimes to the person giving it. Because the person giving that somewhat more difficult love to give is giving, it is really beginning to, uh, they're having to do more work on the inside of them to give this thing that is constantly maybe be, uh, being rejected. It's not easily uh, swallowed, not easily received. Amen. So, but we, we understand that if you, you know, you've been around children, if you dealt with children, you understand that children want their own way. And even as grown children, as we are the children of God, we still want our own way. And we still think sometimes our way is correct. So sometimes we have to go back home. Sometimes you got to start back home. You got to start back. What, what are the things that's holding you back from the things you've learned? I'm not talking about going back home to go blame mom. I'm not talking about going back home to go blame daddy, whether he was there or not, whether mama's there or not, whether brother did this to you, sister did this to you, cousin did this, auntie, uncle, or all this other stuff. I'm not talking about going back home. This is the reason why. Okay. If you can identify, maybe this is the reason why, right? Maybe you, maybe you got certain uh, uh, mindsets and certain, you know, ways of, you know, approaching life and stuff like that from your parents or from the way that you was brought up. But you now understand these mindsets and these dispositions and these ways of viewing things are not according to scripture and they're not profitable for your life. What is your decision today? Because sometimes the confrontation is not so much of a person, but it's the, it, it, is the, it is the confrontation of the mindset now that I still have, that I'm still fostering, that I'm still allowing to grow in me that I'm still allowing to lead and guide my viewpoint and my perception about things. I got to go back home. He went back where he was brought up. 
You got to go back where you was brought up. Go back and say, okay, how was I love? How did I learn love? Why am I beginning to fail in love? Because sometimes, you know, these relational issues, whether it is you having problems with getting a relationship, keeping relationships, building relationships, being consistent in relationships, being correct in relationships. These are relational issues that we have, not just with people, but also with God, because we're not consistent sometimes in relationships. Is it that we, this is the way that we were taught. Is it that we were taught that our word is not that much? It doesn't mean that much. It doesn't matter if I don't do what I say I was going to do. It doesn't matter if, you know, it, how are we, how were we taught? And not just how we were taught, but what are the things that we begin to grab a hold to growing up that begin to shape us? You got to go, go back to where you were brought up. And it says, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. He stood up. He stood up and began to say, okay, I'm going to stand now and begin to now show these people what love is. And this is where God is trying to, you know, many times get most of us to, is that now we can go and begin to stand back in a place to now we can begin to lead other people in love. But some of us, we, we run from that place of leading people into the right way because we understood the fight that it took for us to come out of that same wrong way. We don't want to have to do that with someone else. So sometimes we, 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 we don't want to go and do that work. We don't want to have to go back and go reach somebody else, go back. Because not just this going back as far as home is concerned, but sometimes it's the going back of reaching someone else that may not be in the same place as you are. Can you stand up in their life? Can you stand in love in their life? Can you be empowered to now give the love you have received? Because this is what Christ is doing. Now he's saying, look, I've submitted my life to God. I've resisted the devil. And now I'm going back first and I'm starting at home. I'm going to start at home. I'm going to start right here. And I'm going to show them this is what this is what is about to happen. And this is what I'm about to show you. This is what the, the, the purpose of God is. Amen. Come on. We're going to make this make sense a little bit more. Amen. Go on, come on. Let's go down to verse 17. Saying that was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is Isaiah. Amen. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So look at this. Our connection to the word. And, and it should redefine how we express love to our families and to the people around us. But what is love? Come on, give me the definition for love. And I know we've gone over many different definitions. Amen. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, this is partial of what we got. Before, said to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly shows empathy, right? Extends the desire for good of the beloved, wants the best, extends help or demonstrates good intentions and is intended for everyone. So many times we have to go back and look at the word and, 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 and we said to say, okay, where did God not love people, not according to our definition of love. And this is where it's difficult because, you know, we say love is love. Now, when we're talking about standing in love, you know, there's a lot of different things that we have to tackle when we're talking about love, right? And love is love. It doesn't matter who you love or how you love them. Because most of the time, love's supposed to make you feel what's secure, safe, supposed to make you feel uh, accepted, right? All these healed, you know, supposed to make you feel valued, right? Uh, you know, all of, the, all of these things supposed to make you feel this way, what it shows empathy, you know, someone who's fond of you, you know, something like that, you know, it's, it, it, you, you're welcoming, this person is welcoming you into their lives and stuff like that. That, that shows that love. But have we learned certain things growing up that only certain people are, are, are deserving of this? Is it not intended for everyone? And I know that for us, because we, you know, me and my wife had a great conversation as we were just talking about the word this morning 
um, you know, and just talking about different things, you know, just concerning the word and, and concerning different things that happen to us when we're having to be the person that is now loving, when we're having to be that person who is now empowered to be able to love others, that is now, you know, being pushed to love others and what, what, what you kind of go through and how sometimes we can be picky. We don't want to love everybody. You know, and certain things, certain situations we get into remind us of other things that we have now been loved out of that now, you know, because we've been loved out of that, we don't want to get back into that same situation in a sense with this other individual to help them to love them out. When I say back into, I'm not talking about go back to the same thing. I'm talking about going dealing with someone who is in that same situation to love them out of that situation. Because now, since you've been loved out, you should be empowered to love someone else out. But you don't understand, in many different times, we don't understand what it is to be the one that's now giving. We understand what it is to receive, but we don't understand to be the one that is giving. To be the one that is giving, and many times, uh, you know, we, we shy away from that. We don't want to have to love other people through stuff because we wasn't the person who had to keep on forgiving us <laughs> when we didn't listen. We wasn't the person who had to be patient with us when we just didn't understand and wanted to hold on to our own understanding. We didn't we, we didn't want to be the person. You know, we wasn't that person. We was the other person who was being loved out. We were receiving. So many times, and because we were receiving, now that you have to love that muscle, that, that, that strength that it takes to have to love somebody out of that, we forget that it took all of that for us. We forget that it took talking to us sometimes for years. We forget that it took talking, it took still being welcoming, still being entertaining, still being fond of us. We get short in our patience. We get short in the way that we deal with, 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 with people because we forget. And somehow or another, we feel like, well, I'm here now. And since now that I'm here at this particular space, that I really kind of only want to deal with people who can actually understand where I'm at, where I'm at right now. I don't want to have to deal with someone who that will go through the scriptures are in these particular situations. We don't want to have to deal with someone who was in the same situation where we were broken, busted, disgusted, had a bad understanding, stubborn, mean, mad, upset, you know, hurt, you know, all of these different things. We don't want to have to deal with that on a continuous basis. We'll deal with it in short spurts. But to deal with it in a continuous basis, like it was dealt with with us, whether it was dealt with with you at home when you was a teenager, because I know I was a handful, you know, and, you know, or why I got saved, what God keeps on dealing with me, 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 even when I feel like He should have been and gave up on. Amen. So He had to go and connect the word back to his expression of love. Sometimes we don't, we don't, we have our own expression and definition of what love is. It's not, it's not by the word. It's not what the word says. It's not the totality of the word. And that's both sides, whether you're talking about the friendly love or the quote unquote hard love. I say these things because they are quote unquote these things. It's all love. Sometimes it's only, it, it feels hard to the person because we're trying to love you past something that you don't want to give up or you're just in a hard situation. And the love has to be a little bit more intense to help you out of the hard situation. You have to be confronted a little bit more. You have to be dealt with a little bit, you know, a, a confrontational life. But it doesn't mean that it's not love. There's a misconception that, you know, if, if did, God, did, did Christ love the Pharisees? Did he love the Sadducees? 
Did Christ love these people that he had to constantly correct that were trying to kill him, that, that pretty much succeeded in <clears throat> crucifying him? Did he love them? Yes, he loved them. Did he love them when he called them snipers and snakes and, and, and vipers? Yes, he still loved them. He was speaking a truth to them to try to cut through certain things that they had in their mind to get them to understand this is where you're at because they were so much, they were so deep in deception. Come on, I don't want to hold us. Amen. So you, we have to do what? Our connection to the word should redefine our expression to our family and those connected to us. Our connection to the word. You know, it is it is that connection. And it's not doesn't just stop here. And this this scripture is always amazing to me. Uh, in verse 18, said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. So now the spirit comes to what do what? When the spirit comes to empower you, it comes upon you. He comes upon us to empower us. Now, the anointing is within is what we talk about, you know, what the Bible says. We have the anointing that is what within us, meaning the Holy Spirit is within us. If you're saved and you have received salvation, there is an indwelling. You may not be filled. You may not have been baptized yet, but there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that now you have received. Right. So now that whole, the Holy Spirit begins to now teach you to bring you to that place of fullness, to bring you to that place of baptism, to bring you to that place of where God has all of your life. Many different times because we need it a lot, a lot. But let's just open this up a little more, because if we, when we're talking about this particular scripture, this is viewed as this is ministry. You know, this is what you're supposed to do in ministry. Right. And I'm not saying this is not what you're supposed to do in ministry, right? But, uh, you know, if we really look at ministry as day-to-day, everyday stuff, it's just dealing with people every day. When you really look at Christ's ministry, <clears throat> all he did was walk around ministering to people. And, and, and he was welcoming the people. And, and they were welcoming him to him many times. Not everybody, right? But even those that were his enemies, he still did not reject them. and He still didn't tell them, you know, you can't talk to me, get out of my face and all this other stuff. He still entertained them. He still entertained them. He still entertained their questions when he knew they were traps. He still entertained what was going on around him when he knew that they were conspiring against him. He still entertained them. He still was good to them. As good as he could be to them. It's good, the goodness that they needed. So that he was saying, look, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I want to ask you today, many of us said, well, I, I know I got the Holy Ghost on the, on the inside, but have you been empowered to love? Meaning, you know what you know. And this is where, you know, uh, you know the Bible says that what God is love. So if the spirit of God comes upon you, what's coming upon you? Love. It's, it's not just to make us feel powerful. It's not just to make us feel, uh, you know, uh, to be anointed, because this is where we, this anointing that we've talked about, you know, uh, it, it, the anointing on the inside is to teach us how to live from day to day, you know, uh, submitted life to the Lord. But this, the spirit comes upon us to empower us to be able to do the word, to do, to be able to be, uh, uh, to actually do what he's telling us to do, to express his nature. So sometimes this is why it gets more difficult to love the longer I'm outside of his presence. Though I know within me what to do is right. Like we talked about last week, you know, <laughs> that sin still dwells, that, that, that sin, that, that, that undercover agent is still there. I need something to come and begin to superimpose over that to kill that, to, to, to be more powerful than that. And you have to know that sometimes you don't get the spirit to begin to rest upon you until that is needed. So this is where I want you to go back, go back and look at the people who have loved you through stuff. There were many times the spirit of God was upon them to love you through it. 
How do you know? Because many times they will say, well, this ain't what I would say. This is not what I would tell you. Or this, I ain't really want to, I ain't feel like talking right now. This is not what, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, they were being empowered to go past themselves. So I want you to see this because we have to see this because we most of us are in a place where you need to now do this. You have received it, now go and do it. You've received it, now give it. You've received it, now go and actually come out of yourself, allow the spirit of God to come upon you and let that anointing, which is also love, flow and actually say, okay, I'm going to let love flow through me. What does this really give us a picture of? The picture of all the power, the anointing, the deliverance, all of it flows through love. The actual, the very foundation of the kingdom of God is love. This is why Paul said this is the greatest of all. This is why, he, you know, John said, what well, God is love. He's the epitome of love. So everything that he expresses is love. Even when he's confronting demons in our lives, he's doing it out of love. Even when it's not, it's not comfortable for us, it's not comfortable for where he allows us to walk through certain situations. Even those situations that he allowing us to walk through, the, whether it is something that's challenging for us or something that feel like it's going to push us back or we feel like it, we can't get over that thing, that those things are still things that he's like, look, I'm allowing this to happen, but I, my love is going to carry you through this. And my love is expressed through my word, my spirit, my power, my son, all of this, out the blood that was shed, all of it is out of love. So when the spirit come on you, it's coming on you to empower you to love, to empower you to sacrifice. So what do you say? Look, because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So this is what this reaching back now, because many of us now you, you, you've been on that other, you, we've been that poor person. And I just want to remind you. And I remind myself, I've been that poor person. And some days I still am. <laughs> I'm still am that poor person, right? It, I'm, I'm that person that's lowly, afflicted, destitute of Christian virtues and eternal riches. I'm afflicted. Sometimes I, I may lose the grip on what I know is right, or I just don't want to do it. I'm poor because maybe what I'm having to deal with, I don't feel like I got enough in me to deal with. He said, I want you to preach good news because anytime you're preaching good news to someone who, who seems like all they have is bad news. All they got is bad news when you're poor, meaning you're helpless and powerless to accomplish an end. You talk about that person that feels like I keep on trying and I just can't seem to get it together. I keep on trying to do this. I see myself. I know what God wants to do or I know that I, my life's supposed to be better, but I can't seem to get to better. I can't seem to get to the end of what I know it's supposed to be. I'm poor. I don't have enough resources inwardly to be able to get what I suppose to have, what God has given me in my life. I don't have enough resources on the inside of me. I don't have enough consistency, Christian virtue, devotion, discipline. I don't have enough. I'm poor in some areas. And because I'm poor in some areas, I need to hear the good news that, that I don't have to be, I don't have to stay here. I don't have to stay poor because I know there is a God that is rich in mercy, that is rich in grace, that is rich with love, that is rich with power, that is rich with everything that I need to be able to help me to get to the end that he wants me to get to. That's the good news. That I don't have it. I don't have enough. I, I am destitute. I don't have Christian virtue. I can't depend on myself. I am a hot mess. But the good news is I, there is a God that still loves me. Not love me in the sense of trying to coddle me. Not love me in the sense of just trying to 
you know, uh, you know, I'm gonna just let you stay where you at. But no, loves me in the sense of you no, know, I'm going to be there for you. I'm gonna be there for you to push you out of this place, to help you, to also comfort you while you're going through at the same time. I'm talking about that kind of love. Ooh. I'm talking about that kind of love that helps you when you don't deserve the help. I'm talking about the kind of love that is there for you when you don't really deserve anything, anything. When you, when you want to run because you know, I ain't even been good like that. I ain't even, I don't even, I don't even know what goodness is. I don't even know how to receive goodness. I don't even know what, I don't even like goodness sometimes because goodness doesn't feel good to me at the beginning. It feels like it's an inconvenience. It feels like something's not right. It feels like something's not, not good for me. It, it, goodness feels like, to me, when good, something's good to me, it means it feels good to me immediately. But I'm talking about a God that knows what's good on the long range stuff, that knows what's good in my life, even when I don't know what's good. He knows what's going to be good for me for years and decades. And he's able to help me through that beginning process when I'm fighting his process, when I'm fighting his way, when my sin is in the way. I mean, my own mindset, the way I look at things. He said, well, that's what the anointing is for. So I want to remind you, because there's poor people that we got to love. And sometimes that may be your brother and your sister that's still walking with you in Christ. And sometimes that, that, that we get to poor places, destitute places, dry places, where God is now trying to do a multiplicity of things by allowing us to be humbled enough to understand that you can't not do this on your own. I don't care how powerful you felt. I don't care how much I used you. I don't care how many souls got delivered how many demons you done cast out. I don't care how many words you done got. I don't care how many how, how accurate you are. I don't care about any of that. You still on the inside of us many times. God will still let us get to dry places to help us to come up out of ourselves so we can depend on our brothers and our sisters and on him properly. Because when God uses you, a lot of times we begin to feel like we don't need people. Or we don't need them as much as we as much as God believes we need. We need them just enough for what is comfortable for us. But we don't want to let people back into our life that used to be there. We don't want to have to now deal with deal with the uh, 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 you know us being destitute, us being in this place, and now you got to begin to trust somebody. So what is this preaching the gospel? This preaching the gospel is you see the semicolon. It, 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 semicolon means we're about to see what it really means. Preaching the gospel to the poor. This is what the poor looks like. This is what the gospel is for. This is who they, and all of us have been in these places multiple times. But I want to challenge you tonight. I mean, not tonight, Lord. I'm so used to doing Bible study. Forgive me. <laughs> I want to challenge you this morning. <laughs> I want to challenge you this morning. Can you be that person on the other side now that's preaching the gospel? And I'm not talking about just doing this. I'm talking about the day-to-day -day stuff that Christ did. I'm talking about reaching out to those people on your job, reaching out to those people that you see on, you know, on the street. I'm talking about reaching out to people you, you even meet through Instagram and social media and stuff like that. Can you be that person who sees the brokenness of others? Come on. So he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So this is what me and my wife was talking this morning, talking about this healing of the brokenhearted, right? Uh, talking about trauma, right? You know, there's an event that this brokenhearted means it was shattered in pieces. There's an event that happens that begins to shatter everything in pieces, our heart on the inside of us. But when, we, when you get fragmented that way, it's not so easy to come back together. Even after God moves, many times we get relief Right, we get relief uh, as far as God's presence coming into our life, and He begins to put our heart back together enough for us to be able to function and, and, and keep, you know, our life together, so we don't lose it, right? So we don't give up on life, so we don't, you know, just just check out and just be floating around, right? 
And sometimes he puts us back together to where you don't feel the pain no more. You know, the pain is not there. The pain is gone. But now what about the trauma from that pain? What about the what, you know, you went through that, not the memories from the pain that you're dealing with. From the pain of the broken heart, from not now, because what, what stops us from being the person to now go deal with someone else's broken heart, someone else's broken heart? Because, you know, my wife began to say this and it really just opened a whole nother thing for me. She said, you know, look, sometimes when I deal with certain things with certain people, you know, as far as just, you know, and she's a teacher. So she sees situations that, you know, can remind her of what God has delivered her out of, you know, uh, dealing with children <laughs> you know and, and of course she has a heart for that because god has helped her but she said you still have to you still have to watch yourself because these things trigger you it can trigger that pain it's almost like it can begin to pull on that scar tissue that's what i begin to see it begin to pull on that scar tissue it can begin to pull on that scab it can begin to pull it, it can remind it's almost like somebody said does it still hurt here is it still tight? Because some of you, it's not that it still hurts, but maybe it's just sore or maybe it's just tight, meaning it's not the same. You're not as stretchable as you used to be in that area. Anybody who ever dealt with scar tissue, ever went through a surgery, understands that it, even when it heals, when it heals, it's not, it's not the same elasticity there, right? So, it, it, you know, some things, because we're not we're not as elastic in certain areas. That's why we talk about when children, children forgive so easy. Why do we not forgive so easy as, a, as, a, as an adult? Why? Because we've had to do it over and over again. And now we say, well, I'm not as flexible as I used to be. I'm not going to let go of it as fast as I used to. Why? Because of the scar tissue. Why? Because of because of uh, because of my broken heart that now God has put back together again enough for me to even minister to somebody else. But now that my heart is back together, I'm saying I need to protect it at all costs, even if it costs you your life. If God called me to you and it, and, it, and I got to choose between me and you, it's going to be you. Hmm. And knowing that, understanding that with God called you to the person, you can't save them anyway. But when we get into that situation where we're ministering to somebody, helping out somebody else, and now it begins to pull us, and now it's, it's requiring more from us than what you had planned for, <clears throat> we say no. We say no. So look, so, so we have to do what? In preaching this gospel, this is part of preaching the gospel. I want to ask you this morning, can you heal? Can you allow God to help you to heal the broken heart? And even as we've been talking about this love series, just the man of God been talking about, we can't love people with a long handle spoon. God has been convicting us, helping us to understand our love. Sometimes our love has been lackluster. And sometimes we'll rather go and just go pray for somebody to be healed rather than being the agent that God is using to help walk them through their healing as we pray. Meaning we put the responsibility on God when God is saying, no, I sent you. I sent you to heal. When Christ sent the disciples, he sent them to heal. They didn't say, well, look, man, just hold on. You know, let's wait till Christ get here. You know, I'm going to hit him on my cell phone and let him see how far away he is. You know what I'm saying? Let me text him real quick and see how long it's going to take him to get here. You know, let me pray for him to get here for you. No. <laughs> he sent him. He sent them to be the agent of God in their life. To now carry that same power that he exposed them to, that he gave to them that same authority that he gave to them, the same love, the same power of love to be able to change a life. And so look at this, because uh, I'm running out of time. Lord Jesus. To preach deliverance to the captives. Mm. 
you want to do. To preach deliverance to the captives. This is what we have to do. This word captives means prisoners of war. Prisoners of war. Amen. Prisoners of war. Meaning for some people, and this is some of us can understand this. What is it? We, you're so used to fighting. It was so hard for love to even break through because you say, I have to defend myself. So when people tried to love you, they actually ran into all of this defense. So you're so used to fighting, protecting yourself, making sure that you're good, making sure that everybody's around you good, making sure that you know, you're a prisoner of war. You're a prisoner to the fight. And now when you're having to deal with somebody else and they're fighting you, it begins to trigger like, hey, look, I ain't, you know, I ain't about all this. Because now when people had to deal with your aggression, now you got to deal with somebody else. When people had to deal with all the stuff that you was dealing with, now you, God is sending us to be empowered to love past that stuff that other people loved us past. To preach deliverance, to proclaim that you can be free. You are the sign to them. You, it's you, you got to sit there and be able to say, you know what? I was you. But we say, and forget that. No, no, that's right. You've been assigned. We've been assigned to this thing. We've been assigned to certain people to help them, to begin to actually show them that there's a way out, to preach deliverance. To preach deliverance. It says, look, you can be free. You don't have to be in this particular fight, like this fight. And sometimes you got to preach deliverance in the sense of hope. Hey, this fight does end when you learn how to end it. You can stop fighting when you learn how to stop fighting. But you actually got to be open to learn how to stop fighting like I was. But I understand that you don't, you're not always going to be open because you're afraid to stop fighting because you feel like this is the only way you're going to survive. Because this is the only survival you know. You got to begin to talk to people and proclaim the good news to them to, in, a, in a way that is passionate to understand. To get them to understand to begin to pierce their heart, to begin to help them to understand, I understand where you are. And allow the spirit of God to anoint your words. Allow the spirit of God to come upon what you're saying. Because sometimes we say stuff, but God is not, you know, we're not carrying, that, that anointing is not upon us. Why is church so effective when you're going to a church where, you know, people actually have the word, but there's an anointing that, you know, that the spirit of God is coming upon that empowering the word to come to us. Why is it so effective? It's effective because God is anointing that word. It's the same way you can do this in conversations. I've had this happen. You can begin to talk to somebody and most of you've had this happen too, whether you're a minister or whatever, you know, when this conversation switches. And you begin to start talking to them about things that you didn't plan on talking about. They begin to open up and say, well, I ain't never told nobody this the whole, the whole time I've been alive. And they don't know why they're even telling you. And the whole thing switches. The spirit of God is coming upon you to now minister, to begin to show them that there's a key out of this. That's an opportunity. But sometimes we'll say, well, in that moment, I gave them what they need. But what about afterwards? What about after? Because we know it took more than just that moment for us. It took following up, following up, following up, following up, loving, being there. It took more than that, than the moment. Amen? Saying, recovering of the sight of the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, this bruising uh, and recovering the sight of the blind mean those that, what God began to say, those are not able to be, to be able to see the light. 
There's so much darkness, they can't see the light. You ever been there? And when people start to tell you, man, it's going to change, it's going to be different, it's going to get better, and you begin to just scoff at them. You begin to just say cynical stuff. Like, easy for you to say that. You ain't dealing with what I'm dealing with. But what about if I have dealt with what you did? You know, what, what, what about the person who has dealt with what you dealt with? What about the person who is dealing with what you're dealing with, who's telling you it's going to get better because they've actually been there? So you got to, you sometimes people, you got to show them that there's light, that there's an end, that, that things can begin to change, right? And then what set at liberty, them that are bruised. The bruising comes, it bruising comes from the breaking of blood vessels, but not the breaking of the skin. Meaning, when the blood vessels are broken up under the skin, blood leaks out. And this is where we see that black, that black bruise on, <clears throat> on us. <coughs> Excuse me. That black bruise on us, right? When that black bruise, it, it, that's where the healing is happening. But, you know, that's a sore area. That's where, that's where blood has leaked out. Meaning this is where you're dealing with people or we're dealing with our own life. But sometimes our life has been interrupted. Meaning, I'm not talking about just interrupting in the sense of, uh, 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 you know, you know, something just happened, right? Or you know, um, somebody called and you had to go. Do, I'm talking about in the sense of a traumatic event, in the sense of something that you know have really caused a lot of pain. It broke. It broke up your life. It broke up the flow of life. It broke up the flow of the blood in your life. When you begin to lose hope and you begin to, you know, uh, you know, not be not be able to. Hold on. Not be able to uh, not be able to understand that life can keep on going. So the only thing about being bruised, though, is many times you'll cover your bruise. And for some of us, because we've been bruised in the area, we don't want to be open in that same area to help out other people who are being bruised. This will seem like the least amount of, of an injury because my heart is broken. That's all over the place. You're not being cut open. You still got skin. You still got covering, right? But when the bruise happens, it's something that lingers for a long time. You ever had a bruise that felt like it was never going to go away? I'm talking about physically. But then let's think about this. Have you ever had a bruise on the inside where somebody says something and you just never forgot it? Like it kind of, it just stung you, it hurts you. It just, you just never let them go from that thing. You just never let them, and it bruised you. It bruised your heart. And you just say, well, you know what? I guess I just can't trust this person no more ever in this particular area. You never talked to them. You never resolved it. You never got it right. You never, you know what I'm saying? Say, hey, this hurt me. Hey, you know what you said? You know, I understand. Maybe you didn't mean it that way, but this is the way it came across. Because when we're dealing with people that are bruised, what do you say? Why? Why do you say set at liberty? Liberty means you can be in, in trap. You can be in, in a prison just behind a bruise. If the bruise goes deep enough, it can change your actions and change your approach to life. If you get bruised in life in certain areas, this is why sometimes people will not begin to open up to new opportunities, new things, because the bruising of disappointment, the bruising of things not happening the way you want them to, that disappointment, those things that begin to happen in our life, we get bruised and then we say, well, look, I ain't, my life has been too interrupted by things that have happened that I cannot control, so I'd rather just do things that I can control. Misconception. So how do you deal with somebody who is bruised? You got to be able to have some hope in your mouth. And God has to give you, God has to give you that someone has to come and speak to you or God has to give you the, the, the power of his love. Why? Because what did we learn? That the, first, the, first, the first teaching about this, right, was, was, was 1 Corinthians chapter 13, talked about prophet of course. Go back and listen to it. When we're talking about love, what? Hopes all things, beareth all things. But charity never faileth, believe all things. So it is this power that, that, that it is this love that's being translated through God's presence on our lives 
that begins to begin to give people something that they cannot get here on the earth without God coming and having an agent there to give it to you. You're that agent. And in some places, maybe you just need to learn how to receive the agent that God is giving you again. Maybe God has given you certain agents in your life and you don't, you don't know how to receive them anymore because maybe they bruised you. Maybe the way that they loved you, you didn't, you didn't understand it. But are you going to work through it? Will you work through the bruise? Amen? Come on. So I know I'm pretty much out of time. <clears throat> and I'm not finished. <laughs> I apologize, y'all. Come on, verse 19. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is talking about the year of Jubilee. This is the year every 50 years that where they begin to not just erase debt, but they begin to make everything right, you know, uh, make everything uh, uh, even, you know, as far as people who were enslaved, trying to pay debts back, back in, the, back in this society, back in the Hebrew society, they would be released, right? You know, yeah, balanced out. They begin to balance everything out. People begin to fulfill all of the obligations. People were released from a lot of their things. And what God began to deal with me about is, will you release people from their debts? God has, people have, God has empowered people to release us from our debts. Meaning this stuff that we've done to people. And we, we, we have, we have got that debt forgiveness. You know, we're talking about debt forgiveness these days, right? We've gotten that debt forgiveness, right? And we've received that from other people. But when, when it's time for you to release people from their debts, when are you going to make it clean? When are they going to get a clean slate? When are they going to be able to say, you know what? Uh, when are you going to be able to say, you know what? Hey, I forgive them for everything. They're good. This happened at least every 50 years. Are we going to wait 50 years? Because this was more of a financial thing. This wasn't a heart thing. But if we're talking about a heart thing, we know what, what, did, what he said 70 times 7. That's how much we probably, what forgive someone. That's 40, what, 490, right? This close to 500 years. We're talking about, uh, yeah, every seven years. Okay, year of Jubilee, every seven years. Amen. Thank you, man of God. So every seven years, this is where this, this particular, you know, releasing of people from their death is supposed to be happening. So how long are we going to, how long are we going to hold on to stuff? We have to release them. We have to clear people's and clean their slate. And because sometimes we have not released things, we are not able to receive the empowering to love others. So it begins to get difficult to love others because of what I'm holding against somebody else. I'm not clear to love other people because I don't want to have... Don't, I'm just starting, I'm going to start collecting debts. You have to what? Clear people's debts. Clear it. Let it go. Amen? But look at this. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and in the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fasting on him. Let's go down to verse 21. So he began to say, this day, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? Look at this. He began to say, look, this day, the word is actually coming to pass. It's coming to pass. Amen? It's coming to pass. Every, uh, the word that he was speaking to them is coming to pass. Amen? So he said, look, I'm going to be the fulfillment of this word. We have to begin to sit down and make a declaration in our life and say, you know what, God, I've been on the other end of all of this. I don't have a broken heart. I've been poor, destitute of virtual Christian virtues. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've been helpless and powerless to actually get to the end of what I even set my mind out to do that I know is right. You know, uh, you know, it, it's I, I, I. You know, I, I, I've been on the other end of receiving this. 
sometimes the completion of receiving the full power, because now, now you receive the ministry from someone else. Now it's time for you to give it so you can see the completion of the full circle. The men of God was, uh, we had a men's gathering last night. It was awesome. We began to dig into this, even, you know, because now, now I've talked about this even with my wife, you know, just being a parent, one thing, you know, you just realize, man, this is what it feels like on the other side. <laughs> you know, it's different to be a child and it's different to be a parent, you know, and you realize that the level of love that is being exerted or that was exerted in my life from my parents was far greater than what I estimated. The work on the inside to work past all my issues and still deal with me. And then after that, even God doing that in my life, it's far greater. So when God calls me to do it in someone else's life, sometimes this is where I fail. I fail, I come up short. Because I'm not letting love come upon me. I'm trying to do it in my own strength sometimes. Sometimes I fail in love because I'm trying to do it in my own strength. I'm trying to do it in my own understanding. I'm trying to do it in my own, uh, you know, uh, way of doing things instead of doing it with his strength, with his empowerment. Yes, I have him on the inside, but sometimes I really need him to rest on me <laughs> to help to help empower this vessel to be able to love so what's on the inside can begin to come alive and flow freely. Because sometimes what's on the inside is being stopped by other things, right? Meaning my will, what I want to do, you know? We can hinder the things that God wants to do through our lives. I want to give uh, one one last scripture, and I'm going to let you go. And this is, I'm just going to make sure you know. This is Colossians 3 and 2. So, but put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. And just give you the definition for bowels. And this is what God began to tell begin to deal with me about as far as where we are, you know, what God, why God is doing with us. Some of us have uh, backed up bowels. Our bowels are not open. You know, uh, they're not open to love. We know what love is. We have an understanding. You know, love is on the inside of us. We have received love, but now to be empowered to go give it. You know, it is different, you know, and we have these stops and we have these things where we say, well, I'm not only going this far, I'm only going to do this and I'm only going to do that. And I'm only going to, because realistically our bowels of the bowels of mercy have been stopped up. We don't want to give people mercy like we used to, like that. We want people to earn mercy. Mercy has never been earned. The bow, bowels mean the bowels were regarded as the seat of more violent passions such as anger and love. You know, and we say, you know, you know, you heard the song Thin Line Between Love and Hate. <laughs> you know, this said, but by the Hebrew as the seat of the tender of tenderer affections, especially kindness, benevolence, compassion, hence our heart, meaning this is where the heart, the tender mercies, the affection where we can begin to be compassionate in a deeper way. Because this level of compassion in a deeper way would unlock another level of love, which is really another level of power. We see in scripture where these bowels were very open with Christ. He was moved with compassion sometimes. And because the spirit of God was upon him, that the compassion he had, he began to use what was upon him to affect another person's life. He was moved with compassion. Sometimes some things just don't move us like they used to. Some people being in pain don't move us like they used to. And we have to really check ourselves. We have to really say, you know what, God, am I becoming numb? Have I become numb? Has my love waxed cold? Am I, why am I not as kind as I used to? Why am I not as long-suffering? Why am I not as patient? Is my love waxing cold? 
And do I have validations for it? So I want to encourage you today and let you know you are empowered to love. We God is empowering us to love. Amen. He's empowering us to what? Stand in love and not fall, not fall short. And through that, people's lives will be changed and our lives will be changed too as well. Amen. Amen. And I hope you got something from the word today. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and please make sure to visit us at churchoffilla.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social to like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchoffilla.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.